Hey there you lucky Libertinis, this is the Scottish Liberty Podcast of the 3rd of November 2016 and we are 21 today with me, Tom Laird and me, Anthony Samaroff Slightly under the weather, Pan Samaroff That's uh, certainly true Yeah, what's wrong with you? I don't know, it's like well, I mean, I'm not, I don't mean generally, right, because <laughs> we, we all know that, but I mean, what's particularly wrong with you today? <laughs> um, it seems like my... Sinuses have been replaced with the no rank weather there. But <laughs> right. I also my vocabulary has been dis- re- displaced, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> replaced yeah. with utter gibberish. Okay, basically, he's got the <laughs> plague. Show. Yeah, yeah. This is number twenty-one. Uh, you lucky folks, and uh, today we've got an action-packed show. Um, it's going to be a lot of uh, snotting and sniffing, and a lot of banning. And a lot, of ba- <laughs> a lot of banning and things generally, yeah. So we're going to go straight to Germany, uh, to the Reich, and uh, for the news that four people are wanted in Germany for sailing. Fa- fa- <laughs> yeah, probably that'll be the next thing that'll happen in Germany. You'll be wanted for sailing. Four people are wanted in Germany for failing. Do you want to just start again? No. <laughs> Actually, I don't want to just start again. Fuck that. We're going to go ahead. We're going to plough on, because this is the kind of show that this is. We want our people out there to know just how fucking hopeless we are anyway so they're going to try and uh, they're going to try and prosecute four people under what the telegraph here calls the good samaritan law but it's basically a rescue law that compels you as an individual to come to the aid of another individual should they be in danger i'll just read uh, briefly some of the article here police in germany are searching for four people who could face up to a year in prison each for failing to help a dying man. The four suspects are wanted under the country's Good Samaritan Law in Germany, and it's basically Hilfeleistung, uh, right? You've got to provide assistance, and if you don't, it's an offence. The four who have not been named but are understood to include both men and women were recorded on CCTV footage stepping over a collapsed 82-year-old man to use an ATM at a bank in Essen. The footage was recorded in an unstaffed ATM vestibule. During a public holiday, the elderly man entered the vestibule first, but collapsed shortly afterwards. Four customers entered in turn, but none of them called the emergency services or did anything to help. Some of them passed close to the dying man or even stepped over him to carry out their own financial transactions, the Essen police said in a statement. It was 20 minutes before another customer came to the rescue. So it's a criminal offence not to provide assistance in Germany. And there are 28 countries who have this law or similar laws. I believe Russia has a law that's similar, but that only applies to people who are actually working with uh, vulnerable people or whose job description demands that they, they come to people's rescue. As libertarians, what do we think about the government making laws compelling you to come to somebody else's rescue or you go to jail? Well... This is a question that's really very rich with implications, actually. It seems like a simple thing. I'm glad I asked it then. Well, I mean, it's an interesting thing. First of all, I mean, for four people to step over aged man and not provide assistance is quite shocking. I mean, I wouldn't expect to see that in Scotland. It just shows how deplorable the Germans are. (laughs) Controversial, <laughs> great, great stuff. Yeah, I hope, no, uh, I hope one... the first person to ever listen to this podcast in Germany is going to hear that and we're lose an entire potential audience. Uh, way to go there, Mr. Samaroff. Um, just that's... kidding, of course. No, but I mean, it's just somebody from Germany turns on to hear a Russian Jew tell them how fucking how despicable the fucking Germans are. <laughs> 
This is fantastic. Okay, this is what we want. Controversy from the start. Oh, look. Yeah, it's a pretty swinish thing to do. Um, I don't think I'd do it. I mean, you never know. I mean, like, sometimes you see something and you think they're just, you know, a Jake ball or whatever. <laughs> I, think they thought, I think maybe that's what they thought. Or maybe not. Um, I think people probably would do something similar here. Do you? Yeah, I think so. I think it could happen anywhere. Yeah, I've seen people collapse in the street and, and, and you know, nobody do anything well, really about it. But, I mean, okay. here's the thing. There are people out there with mental health issues. There are people out there who are violent, you know, and let's suppose in somebody's line... I mean, I, okay, in my job, I've got cause sometimes to, to wake up vagrants and drunks. And when you do so, you've got to be careful because they can lash out at you. Right. You know, they, they, they don't know, especially if they're on drugs. They just think, I don't know, you're an alien frog from outer space or whatever that's trying to kill them. And uh, I, they, I have thought of that with you. Well, of I, I, many people have said so, um, but you have to agree that I'm the most handsome alien frog that you've ever seen in your life. Or maybe not. Let's just keep that to yourself. So, yeah, I can't make light here, but the, the bottom line is, I think there are people here who, who, who would do something similar. Um, it seems a swinish thing to do. Like, I mean, the very least you could do is probably try and, and say, look, look, are you all right there and phone the emergency services? But then here's what happens. The emergency services start asking you a load of questions. You know, how old is the man? What's his name? What, you know, what is this? Well, this is the kind of things I get, you know. Uh, what's his name? Is he breathing? Is his pulse? You know, so then you, you have to get a lot more involved. Um, I'm not trying to excuse these people. I'm just saying it's maybe not just as, as, as simple as... I suppose you could make the phone call and just hang up and say, look, here's the guys here, you know, check it out. Um, I know the police... Well, here, this, is a, this is interesting, right? Because where in America, the Supreme Court apparently ruled that the police have no duty of rescue. I mean, the police are not uh, have no obligation under the law to, to protect you. Then why should a private citizen, you know, have, have that obligation to protect somebody else or you know to, look after somebody to else? Rescue. Well, the thing is, okay, it might be as you say, it's a Swedish thing to do. Are you willing to legislate it? And this is the problem with all of these things which is the injection of politics into every single aspect of our lives. Yeah. Like, you know, say let's take the should a Jew be forced to bake a Nazi a cake or should a, yeah. should a Christian be forced to bake a gay wedding cake. The point is not whether someone should bake someone else a cake. The point is whether it's anything to do with government at all. Right, right. The the injection of politics to every aspect of life is this issue at stake here. Just because someone does something that's deplorable doesn't mean it's a cause for government. Yeah. You know, infidelity is horrible. Yeah. You know, if you're married with kids and you go behind your spouse's back, but that doesn't make it a legal issue. And the thing is, here with the the duty to rescue, how can anyone prove? that you've got a duty to rescue. How can anyone rationally argue for that? Because you're just up here on this planet. You pop out of someone's vagina, right? Yeah. So who's to say what your duty is, right? Um, first of all, morally speaking, you don't have any duties. You don't have any moral responsibilities that you did not choose. No one can argue for that because you can't derive an ought for an is. Now then, there's another thing, which is, you know, you interfering with other people's 
right to mm. just be here and just just have appeared here and then you can, can start saying well you know you shouldn't hit someone because if you hit someone then everyone should be able to hit someone and that would just be ridiculous so so therefore you know out of consistency we can we could argue for certain kinds of rights but they're rights that that aren't really positive rights they're negative rights the right Okay, just for people who wouldn't know, could you could you maybe give us a, a, a quick breakdown of what the difference is between a positive right and a negative right? So a right? positive right, sorry, a positive obligation yeah. is an obligation to do something, whereas okay. a negative obligation is an obligation not to do something, okay. like not to hit someone, not to steal their stuff, not to defraud them. So by the same token, a positive right is something that someone has to give to you, like you've got a right to an education, you've got a right to healthcare, you've got a right to be rescued by someone. Right. And uh, a negative right by the same token would be like, you've got the right not to be hit, you've got the right not to be defrauded, you've got the right not to be stolen from. So, again, this is where society... Now, the effort of the last at least... 20 years, 30 years, maybe 40, maybe since the 60s, maybe it goes earlier than that, is to conflate government with society. Yeah. And this is the problem. Yeah. The government has become society. Everything is government. There is a society outside of government. And it's the response... Well, societies. Exactly. And as the government claws more claim to the responsibilities of society these other ways of doing things disappear. There was a wealth of friendly societies before the welfare state dedicated to providing people with welfare and health insurance. And there was the church did it and other, the maybe your Rotary Club did it and the Freemasons or whatever did charitable work. Now that doesn't exist because the government has taken over that function. And people say, well, people were poor back then. That exactly. People are much richer now. So in the absence of the government fulfilling those functions, actually, we'd probably be fulfilling them a lot better than we were before yeah. the government took them over in the first place because we've got more resources to do it. Now, I've been talking for a long time, but I think it's important because this also goes to the root of a question in philosophy, which is what is worse, you know, killing someone or letting them die? Mm. And it seems obvious at first thought, well, killing must be worse than letting people die. Well, not really, you know. If someone's really badly suffering and they've got a chronic disease and they want to, there's no cure and they want to die versus if you're going past a pond and you see someone drowning and you don't save them, uh, that's kind of generally considered worse uh, if you just walk by. I mean, there's the, the argument like, what if you're wearing like a... T but the thing is, this is leverage for the left because they say... Well, supposing you're wearing a two or three thousand pound suit, right? Mm. And you don't save that person because you don't want to Get ruin your, your suit. suit or, yeah. Isn't that completely deplorable? And you go, well, yeah, that's deplorable. And they say, well, that's happening right now. You could save someone's life in Africa for two to three thousand pounds. So what's wrong with the government taking that two or three thousand pounds off you to save that person's life? And I guess I'll, I'll hand you the floor to come back on that philosophical challenge. To rephrase, if you start saying people have a duty to protect, rescue, yeah. why does that just extend to people that you can see in front of you? Yeah. Because there's people in abject poverty on the other side of the world 
supposing this duty to protect is going to take you several hours of your life and you're a CEO or something like that and could command a thousand dollars an hour for yeah. consultations should you not like not protect that person and then go and do some consultations and just donate the money to the right charity because that would probably do more good so it's a yeah. lot more complicated than you think and how do you deal with the philosophical challenge well how do you i don't i think it's best there's something that's left to societies themselves i mean obviously someone like myself coming from a faith-based could you say a faith-based the philosophical or moral um, approach would say yeah you have uh, a maybe a moral duty uh, to help that person but as soon as you're obliged to do it by government I think it could cause problems um, because then where do those boundaries lie as you've just expressed so it is an interesting one and it also it's kind of vague and right well, what at what point at how, how much risk to yourself are you expected to take I mean if somebody's being if it's a gang fight for example and somebody falls over and they're bleeding and you have medical uh, abilities should you get involved? You know, should you put yourself in danger? And if you don't put yourself in danger, are you liable to prosecution? I think it's. I think you enter into a. It seems. Look, I mean, we're arguing about something here, but it seems a lot of people. Look, it's a clear-cut case. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, these people stepped over the top of somebody who was lying unconscious. Now I don't know whether they knew he was unconscious, but it was, it was certainly you, you don't generally find people lying around the floor. So they stepped over him done their business transaction and buggered off, which seems pretty cuntish. Um, so why not prosecute them? Why not drag their ass into court and say, look, you know, you did this. How else would we, would we deal with that? I mean, is it okay to do that? Are we saying it's actually okay to, to walk away and not do anything? Or are we saying there are better ways of dealing with that than allowing the state to step in? I would say that in most cases, that's not okay. You know, save that you've got to rush to the hospital for some reason and you've got another disaster. It's a really crap thing to do. You should, well, again, you said moral obligation. Okay, would you you do something? I would do it. You would? I would would want to, to make sure that the person was okay. Okay, why? Just because out of the... See, that's an interesting thing. It's a human instinct. If I was to... But it obviously wasn't a human instinct for those reason, four people. If yeah. I was to reason why, it's because I think people have intrinsic value and I do it out of, the, out of having a value for huma- someone else's humanity. Cause it's yeah. like, and I value compassion. I think compassion and empathy are values. But, you know, it's very conservative to legislate morality. Uh, I'm not a conservative. Yeah. Um, as much as some people might like to label us as uh, um, a special type of conservative, libertarians are a special type of conservatism. I don't really, I don't really hold to that. I don't think I am a conservative. I've always been a pretty liberal guy, and I, and I'm not a liberal in the the modern sense either. So, nonetheless, it's exactly what I've said. It's not about when when it's a complicated philosophical issue. That's exactly when you don't need the government to intervene. I'm not really for a government, but when it's a cut and dry case like murder, you know, we can use government to legislate against these things. Even then, there's massive blurred lines, which is, well, what should the penalty be? Isn't that completely arbitrary? Uh, that's why I think. Yeah, why a year? Why, yeah, yeah why, why a year? Why 
dot to why not lashes yeah. why not send them to some rehabilitation center where they'll get taught to be good like their auntie told them to and help yeah. people yeah. you know who knows what the right punishment for anything should be and you know the market has an amazing way of standardizing things and finding the right solutions you know, because over time different things are tried out and the best solutions work over time. And I yeah. think there could be consequences to this kind of behaviour, even in a stateless society. You know, they identify you and then people yeah. decide not to trade with you for three months yeah. as a punishment. Yeah. I, mean, that, I mean, that bank, for example, could say could close their bank accounts and say, look, you know, we don't want your custom. The kind of person that would do that is, is not welcome here. They'd, they'd, be, they'd be welcome to do that. I've got to be honest, I really don't know the answer to this one, uh, I don't think. Although I don't think the government is the exactly. answer. That's 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 the problem I have here. I, I just, think I think you know to the four people. You know, if you are out there and you are listening to this, to those four people, I think you should you know have a word with yourself at the very least. Um, but at the same token, should they go to jail for a year? I don't think so. Also, yeah. how much is the government willing to spend prosecuting them and jailing them? That's a lot of money. That same yeah. money could yeah. do more good. You know, if okay. they just gave that money to the poorest people in the world, it would do yeah. far more good than locking a bunch of people up. Okay, let me let me let me let me try this just to finish off. Let me bring it closer to home. Let's suppose in that person lying there is your your mother, your father, your girlfriend, you know, your daughter, somebody close to you, somebody that you really care about. And, you know, people didn't do anything, you know, they just left them there, you know, choking, dying, whatever. How do you feel about it now? Do you still, do you still feel the same? I would, that would provoke a sense of outrage, but it's still a social issue. It's not an issue for government. That's okay, well, well, we'll leave it on that. And if you've got any thoughts on that, let us know. Let us know in our, our YouTube comments. Um, you know, is it? You know, is this the remit of government? Should there be laws that demand people uh, should come to the rescue of another, even if it, put, it involves putting themselves in peril? Uh, yeah, let us know. And uh, we'll move on uh, to something uh, slightly different, but kind of the same sort of philosophical uh, discussion. If Anthony, because I'm a bit of a uh, total fuckwit when it comes to technology, uh, he's going to get the news article up for me on the... Okay, it's about the, it's the, the poppy ban. You may have heard about this. I mean, I'm not a sports fan. Well, I'm kind of a sports fan, but I'm not a, I'm not a soccer fan. And yes, it's soccer. Don't bother writing in about that. It's soccer, okay? It's not football. It's soccer. And I'd say that because I know it will immediately infuriate all you soccer fans out there. But anyway, England will wear poppies at Wembley on Armistice Day despite FIFA ban, the FA confirms this according to the Independent. And apparently Scotland, the, the, the England-Scotland game is going to take place at Wembley on Armistice Day. And they they were planning to wear poppies in honour of the dead on that day. FIFA, the worldwide governing body for football, they have decided that, in their wisdom, that it's a political... You know, they ban the wearing of political or religious emblems or regalia on your on football strips and they say that you, you can't go ahead which I suppose they've got a right to do as a governing body voluntary within that organisation but so they have they've, they've deemed that the poppy is a political statement okay so first of all Anthony is the poppy a political statement well, or is it political connotations it depends the way you cut it really or pick it again <laughs> um, you're kind of trying to look at 
this is another conflation of sort of government with society, isn't it? I mean, what about a more political statement is the white poppy, isn't it? Because people wear a white poppy and say, well, actually, we're for peace. I, yeah, I want to honour the, the dead, but I don't want to participate in this. And maybe I want to honour the victims of war yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And you, you could say, oh, well, you know, that's definitely a political statement. <gasps> Shock, gasp, they're wearing a white poppy instead of a red one. Mm. It's kind of hard to argue that wearing a white poppy isn't political. Yeah. I mean, how would people feel? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll speak up here. I mean, I'm an ex-soldier, you know. I very rarely attend sort of the cenotaph I can't remember the last time I did maybe once or twice you know, and, and, and I think then it was as, as part of you know I think it was still in the military at the time I was certainly still in the, in the reserve I don't wear a poppy I don't have any objections to people wearing one I'm not against it I kind of against it being called the Errol Haig Fund because I think Errol Haig was the guy responsible for most of the deaths and it's uh, I think it was the least he can do um, and it I can't, there's a couple of things annoy me about poppies. Um, yes, we should honour our dead. Yes, I do honour the dead. I do remember. In fact, I have a problem forgetting at times. I don't have a problem remembering. But one of the problems is it kind of costs the government, uh, and that's going to be an odd thing for libertarian to say, but then the go- it was the government, who ordered, the government who decided to send these people to their deaths. And yet, once again, the, the, the onus for for paying for these kind of things comes down to individuals who didn't make the decision to do it. Secondly, there there comes a kind of fascism, poppy fascism, and you know what happens. If somebody dares appear in public, if a politician dares appear in public, or a celebrity dares appear on television at this time of year, and they're not wearing a poppy, there is a shitstorm right. of letters and comments and you know they want to drag the person out and actually shoot them for not wearing the poppy and it breeds this I just hate it you know I look on the, the TV or you look in the newspaper and you see a picture or something and every goddamn person's wearing a poppy because not necessarily because they believe in it which is fine but because they can't afford to not wear one because of the shit storm it will cause right. and surely the whole point or ostensibly the whole point of these wars was for democracy and freedom. In other words, the freedom not to wear one of these if you don't want to. And and if you you think, yeah, good, and I do, I think, great, you know, if if every single member of those teams wants to do this, and I don't know if they were even consulted, but if they want to wear a poppy, then they should go ahead and they should defy it, and, and then they should take the consequences of whatever that should be. But how would, conversely, let me ask anybody who's outraged about this, including Theresa May, you know, she would say this is an outrageous decision by FIFA. Okay, you might not agree with the decision. Is it exactly outrageous? I don't know. But what if a team from another country wanted to wear white poppies? Right. Would you be perfectly willing for those people to wear white poppies? That's, that's, that's the question I'd ask people who are frothing the mouth and be outraged about this. I think FIFA have got it wrong. I don't think it's a political symbol, though. I could, I, you could, you could see it as such. I think it's just a way of people commemorating the dead. But I don't like the fascism that that comes with it. This bullying, the social bullying of people into wearing poppies, and if you don't wear one, you're uncaring and you don't care about our war dead. And you know, you should just be, 
know, beaten to death, you know, or shot with bullets made of your own shit or something like that. This is the attitude of people, and I, I, I really can't get behind that. And I'm talking as an ex-soldier here who served and had and right. done active service. Um, I don't really have any strong feelings about poppies. I don't mind people wearing them. I don't mind people not wearing them. I don't mind people wearing the white ones or not wearing the white ones. You know, it's up to you. Have you ever bought one or worn one? No. no. Maybe okay. I did a couple of times when I was at school, but it was kind of that kind of assumption that you did it. And I think it's, there was even some events where you were obliged, it was compulsory to wear one, which, as you say, completely defeats the purpose. I think sometimes I even forgot to get them before these assemblies, you know, and I just kind of merged into the crowd. Fundamentally, even though I don't mind what people do with them in general, I was kind of sympathetic to the the challenging of them because I don't really appreciate the heroization of the military. I think it's a net loss, actually. I think it's not good. I think it's encouraging people to be willing to sacrifice themselves and other people, uh, especially when you look at our foreign policy since, at least since the Second World War, some, some people would argue even earlier than that, where military men have largely been used as pawns for foreign policy outcomes that we shouldn't necessarily be proud of. Uh, probably going to get criticised from someone for saying this, but absent the paradigm of statism, What's the moral distinction between a military person who goes overseas to Afghanistan or Iraq, a country that's not aggressed against us, and a hitman? We don't start heroising hitmen and saying, oh, they're so wonderful, they risk their lives, they, they put their li- lives on the line. But you're essentially sending people out to do a hitman's job. And you could argue that it's one worse than that because I'm not forced at gunpoint to pay a hitman's salary but I am forced at gunpoint through this tax system to pay for these military interventions so I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a national defence and I would certainly be willing to put in but that's one of the moral dilemmas the other moral dilemma is the one that I mentioned before which is an issue of male disposability yeah that a man is to draw his self-esteem, his worth, for being able to not only sacrifice himself, but, you know, his moral courage. He's got to sacrifice his will to the authority of the generals and whoever gives him orders. And I'm just really not sure that that's... Those are the kinds of traits that I think we should be heroizing and engendering in people. Well, I think there's definitely there's definitely an element, a huge element of that. I mean, certainly in British history, I, I don't think we started physically, legally conscripting people till the Second World War, or, or I think about halfway through the First World War. I mean, it was largely a volunteer army. Right. Um, but there's different kinds of drafts and there's different kinds of conscription. There's the there's the shaming, you know. Yeah. There's. Uh, there's the psychological conscription, you know, if you why are you hanging around here, you know, fishing and, you know, chatting up birds and pubs and yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah, making things yeah, that other people actually yeah, want to buy. Yeah, making free, things that people want to buy, providing the useful service <laughs> by mining or, or doing why are you doing that? Why are you not in uniform? 
Uh, I mean, the Pankhursts famously used to go around, I know not all of them, but I know one of them, I don't know if it was Emmeline, used to go around with white feathers and her suffragettes, her, her insufferable suffragettes, used to go around with white feathers, handing them out to young men who they thought, they deemed to be old enough to be in uniform. So that's like a psychological draft. You know, yeah. you coward. You know, why aren't you off fighting for our honour and fighting for your country? Um, and it's there's a cult of hero worship. Yeah. There's a cult of death. That it's you know dolce decorum est pro patria Maria is a is a it's a right and proper thing to die for your country. You know, I, I, and I was involved in all that, and, and there's a certain part of me who kind of buys into that, and that's great if you want to do that. You know, if that's if you feel that that's what you want to do with your life. You know, if you if if you want to be a soldier, if you if that's what what does it for you, then by all means, you know, nobody should prevent you. Um, but I think it's wrong to to morally psychologize uh, other people into doing it. And I think the poppy, I don't like I said, I don't have a problem with it uh, as long as it's within you know certain bounds. As long as we don't force people to buy into the cult, it becomes a cult, and that's really the problem. So I mean, in short, I don't think FIFA's outrageous to say that they can't wear them. Um, I don't think that the, the football teams are wrong to say that they will wear them. I kind of admire the fact that they're prepared to stand up and say we're going to wear these things. But providing, I mean, I'm not so sure that every single member of those teams wants to do it. That's that's the kind of problem I have with it, you know. So, I mean, go ahead, guys. More power to you if you want to play wearing a poppy. Fantastic and defy the ban. But I think, I don't think FIFA are outrageous because they're a they're a, an international body that's volunt you know you don't nobody forces you to play football, so if you if you subscribe to that then you subscribe to those set of rules and they've interpreted those rules as saying that the poppy is uh, a symbol a political symbol and I suppose it could be construed as such by some people you know I don't think it is I don't think it is a political symbol I think FIFA have got it wrong here. Um, but I hope it can be sorted out amicably. amicably. But uh, good on them for for wanting to wear it. But uh, I just don't want people to get to be to be bullied into wearing poppies. Anyway, from poppies to poppets, uh, we're going to we're talking about um, sex robots. Sex robots, and she yeah. is a fine robot. I think. Yeah. But anyway, uh, she wouldn't be interested in you anyway, mate. She'd, she'd, she'd be interested in me. I'm going to say this uh, sex robot. She's very sexy, but she has no personality. Oh, no. Oh, no, you mean she hasn't got a GSOH? She hasn't got a great sense of humour? Yeah, they only oh, sell no. them in bitchy and needy so far. Right, anyway. okay. Not, well, not well, no change there, then. <laughs> they've, not, <laughs> they've not managed to engineer a realistic female personality that's affable, warm, right. loving, kind, and uh, uh, and we're going to use lose all our female subscribers. Oh, I, all our female subscriber. Uh, right, so, I am fucking hell, man. Sorry, I'm, I'm losing the plot with myself wait, here. All right, here we go. Wait a second. You Sex robots are here, and they're already causing controversy. Um, is the the headline here, and it's from uh, the, it's from the Independent again, the Indy One Hundred stories, uh, and this is one of them. Sex robots are here. Uh, I haven't seen many of them around, to be honest with you, but apparently they are here. It says you may have read about a US company which is working on a series of realistic sex toys, Abyss Creations. Okay. 
The abyss is obviously where you go if you if you use these dolls, which has developed realistic sex toys for over 20 years, announcing that its new, new incredibly lifelike models will be going on sale for a reported £12,000 next year. So if you want to donate to Scottish Liberty Podcast, <laughs> uh, we, we, yeah. we only need 24000 <laughs> Well, we could use the same one. <laughs> okay, right. I'm first. Right, we'll, just, we'll just tag team. Uh, let's just get out here to talk about Donald Trump. This is going to come back to haunt me. Anyway, founder Matt McMuffins. <laughs> Sorry, Matt McMuffin. That would be good. Founder Matt McMullen started the business with very realistic mannequins. Quote, my dolls start... <laughs> Matt McMuffin, yeah, that should be his name. My doll started out as a very realistic, posable mannequins, not really originally designed for sexual use. The re- <laughs> the reaction is <laughs> a lot of things that weren't really originally designed for sexual use. I mean, but, you know yeah. what they say: treating a woman like an object may be wrong, but treating an object like a woman is just plain disgusting. <laughs> the reactions I got were overwhelmingly geared toward the potential use of them as a love doll, and I decided to go with the flow. I That's love what the guy that actually said. I like that. Yeah, go with the flow. I right, love yeah. that as a st- I disgusting mean, how did this come uh, out? pun. Yeah. Did he, he just? Um, he just made these and they're, they're causing something of a stir well it's certainly causing a stir <laughs> it's causing a commotion in the pants of the hosts of this show I can tell you uh, so what do you love just the fact that he made these realistic mannequins and people were coming and saying yeah yeah that's really nice like people, but you know what I really want to fuck it I mean um it's. I mean, we've had, we had a look at this story before we started, and uh, I mean, I'll just read this. The firm behind a controversial proposal for a Geneva cafe, where customers would receive oral sex from sex workers, is reportedly now interested in using the dolls instead. Well, clearly, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to pay them or anything, and put up with their shit. But anyway, the so-called, the so-called fellatio cafe idea made headlines around the world when Swiss escort agency Facegirl dot Switzerland or .ch revealed its plans to open a business in Geneva by the end of 2016. Okay, we're having a laugh here. What's wrong with this? I mean, we've read the article. There doesn't seem to be anything controversial on there in terms of it hasn't. It doesn't say like, okay, here's fucking Edna fucking hag from the local uh, feminist, you know, uh, chapter who's uh, said this is outrageous. This is the objectifying of objects as women you know I, I um, think they just said that it's a sparked a controversy to get more hits clickbait I mean we, well, that's we'd some, never do we'd that never do we that. would never do we're that we're far more ethical we would, than this we, show we, we would never uh, title our video with a, a title deliberately to to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to tantalise and, and tease people to tantalise and tease people into watching our show yeah. we would never do that it's despicable <laughs> you ask me so yeah I mean okay <laughs> let's get down to cases here would you, uh, in all seriousness, would you avail yourself of one of these delightful uh, toys? Do you know what? I've seen them on Shall TV. Shall I get you one for your Christmas? Hey, if you've got £12,000, I think I can actually think of more constructive things to do with that money. With £12,000? Really? Doll. But, um, yeah, I mean, I remember in years gone by seeing them on the TV and hearing, oh, this will soon be a new thing and blah, blah, and thinking, who would want that? Who would want that? Yeah. But yeah, maybe I don't know. Now that <laughs> maybe I've got older, or but I, I feel yeah. I I feel like the, I'm not saying I would want one, but it might. Do you know what? 
the more I think about it, the more I have to say, as much as I'd like to tantalise the audience, I have to say no, actually. Well, you I mean, you've heard the expression, you know, they're all the same wind in with the likes of. I mean, what, this this doll is particularly hot looking. Yeah, but... Uh, but I mean, you could just get one of those cheapo comedy type ones that guys go about with stag nights and, you know, I guess with the likes of... Well, the thing is, I've never liked having sex with a girl that behaves like a plank, you know, right. yeah. uh, and isn't particularly involved in the in the process. I don't know why I'm speaking about my sex life on YouTube, but, you know... I didn't realise you had one, so I'm shocked. <laughs> but do you know what? I think if I had one, something that I would definitely find entertaining is taking it out to the club and <laughs> pretending it was my girlfriend and actually introducing her to people and if anyone said anything like oh that's really funny man or or you know uh oh why are you why are you doing that just like acting completely oblivious and just right. be pretending like yeah this no this is really my girlfriend this is really my girlfriend and accuse them of being what, what would what yeah, would the, what would, the, what would the, the, the name be for someone who hated mannequins or hated you know you would get transphobe or a I'd like to just pretend that I, that I thought she was a real person and actually buy her drinks. And then drink them yourself. Yeah, and then drink them yourself. <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is, uh, for me, I mean, I don't know. It's a robot. I mean, what does it do, though? I mean, as a robot, I mean, does it, does it make you a cup of tea? Uh, does it, you know, I, I have no idea. It doesn't actually say um, I guess eventually that's that's what happened. I mean, we're getting any Stepford wife territory here. I mean, they used to. I mean, but, but then, you know, I tell you what, ladies, fuck you, you know, because for years you've been telling us guys, oh, you guys are replaceable. You're replaceable with machinery. You know, you're replaceable with batteries. And you know what? Cool. I mean, you're replaceable too. You're replaceable with a, a sex robot. Well, not even that. You're replaceable with a microwave and a remote control for the telly. You know, but um, with uh, yeah, sex doll. And I, I mean, I'm wondering, there must be, I mean, I guess it would be easy enough to make a, a male sex doll as well, absolutely. Yeah. And lots of girls have said they'd like to have sex with robots, at least ones that I've spoken to. Oh, uh, well, that's handy for you. I yeah. mean, they, because, they, like, I don't know, you know, girls, when they're young and they're exper experimenting, they might stick all things, sorts of things up there just because okay. they're exploring their body and... Yeah, that happens when. You, but I mean, what does it do? Does, does does it have a motor in its crotch that makes it gyrate? Does it make sexy sounds? Do they have like samples of of her going ah and and things Calling like that. Calling your daddy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's controversial. Maybe, we'll cut that out. <laughs> you can you can maybe replace the desk depending on what kind of things you like them saying to you. Whether you like. <laughs> you really like me love you long time. I really it, want the discourse from Bastia. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that would do it for me. But you know, it's fine if if you want a submissive. It's going to be pretty hard to for a sex robot to dominate you. If you're of the other persuasion, you know what? What's she gonna? What's she gonna say? you're not gonna be able to replace the desk. So, what are there any implications for liberty? I don't know. I mean, okay, let's let's get slightly serious here for a minute. I mean, there are objections to this. I mean, they're not manifest in this article, but I have heard this before that you know there is a lot of feminists who are up in arms. Well, just generally, but they're up in arms about this. Uh, issue particularly because what they say is this 
encourages rape culture and it encourages the objectification of women because it encourages men to look at women that way and you know these these things i mean okay they're not human beings they don't have uh, feelings they don't have uh, but through time these things will get more complicated they'll get more intelligent um and then it'll just be the same as having a woman really so they'll get all bets will be off so i don't know uh, if there's any i don't think so personally if you want to have a tough sex with a robot knock yourself out man you know um it's nothing to me uh, i think uh, from a libertarian point of view you can have one if you want to pay, pay 12 grand. 12 grand actually seems quite cheap i don't know about the veracity of this because um i know that some of the the dolls that they sell, don't ask me why I know this, I'm sure I heard somebody talking about it in the pub, well some of the dolls that they sell are about 10, 9, 10 grand, right. you know, for the more lifelike ones, so the robots, I mean, I mean unless it doesn't, unless just by robot it just means there's just some mechanism in it, then 12 grand seems seems quite cheap, but if you want to spend that money on a robot, fine, personally, uh, and here's where I really come for. Personally, I think you'd be better off just spending that twelve grand in Thailand or something like that, you know, or just going down to the local sauna massage parlor and then making all the girls down there feel that it's Christmas, you know, with your twelve grand uh, right. and uh, and a Santa outfit. <coughs> well, or better still, little Santa outfits for the girls, but. <laughs> Santa's helper outfits. This is you wanted clickbait. You wanted clickbait, Anthony. Now we've got clickbait. Are you happy now? And we weren't even trying. Right. There's going to be a lot of baiting going on. After yeah, this well, one. I figure you know if, a whole lot of baiting going if, on. Judging what's by what's happened to podcasters in the past, like if we do offend someone or strike up some kind of controversy, we'll probably actually maybe get. Get, get more subscribers so um, that seems to be a good thing these days I would just say one thing does it speak to this issue of men kind of dropping out that we've heard of oh you know yeah, men, the just have, men just have video games they've got access to porn they can't be bothered going out and learning how to chat up women yep. and to be honest who can blame them? It's so, uh, it's a if, if you've not got that um, skill, it's something that takes some time to learn. You have to speak to a thousand girls if you're not confident before you even feel confident even approaching a girl. Most of them are going to reject you. If you don't have social skills because your parents didn't love you enough or because you didn't have pals in school, you know... It's. It might just be. So I didn't realise you were going to be quite so candid about my my background <laughs> here. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, you, you could just pick one, but all of them. Great. Thanks very much, aren't you? <laughs> you could just play video games, you know. And it, there's the thing. I mean, men are very emasculated. I don't even know what masculinity is anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because. It's really hard to say. Well, how, whatever it is, it's wrong. Apparently, right. yeah. it's very hard to say what elements of masculinity, so-called, are inborn and cultural, but they definitely exist. But 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 it definitely there definitely are differences between men and women. And if you look at them, vive la difference is what I'm saying. Yeah, and if you look at the differences between them individually, they vary. 
by a little bit or by a moderate amount. None of them are huge differences in personality between women and men. But if you take them all together then and add them up, then it adds up to a whole yeah. world of difference. So... Right, well, what, do you, what do you say to this, this, this allegation, though, that it encourages rape culture and it encourages uh, men to objectify women? Well, and they say the same things. It's not just, I mean, even things like video games. I mean, these are old arguments that have yeah. been recycled about porn, about yeah. video games, you know. I don't think there's any evidence About violent that. movies. And, and the last person that's out raping someone is someone that's at home jacking off or having sex with a robot. Do you know what I mean? So rape is not, uh, as some feminists claim, a cultural phenomenon. It's a criminal phenomenon. Most rapists have several victims. Yeah. So it's a criminal phenomenon. And even RAIN, which is, I think, the biggest anti-rape and incest body or organisation, at least one of them, says that the rape culture hysteria is wrong and that people that it's actually damaging because it's not a cultural phenomenon it's a criminal phenomenon well, it's <laughs> not a cultural phenomenon in the west right so, that's but, true yeah. that's what i'm talking about okay and in some cultures perhaps it is and you know we heard the story of you know some immigrant that um went into a stall in germany or or a country in europe and raped a small boy and claimed that he didn't know that there was anything wrong with this because he was having a sexual emergency because his, you know, partner was outside of the country. Now I don't even know if that story is well, true. Well, it's I don't know. That's what I mean. I, th- yeah. I believe the story's true, but I don't know if he was just. That I think that was just a, as you say, a horseshit excuse. I believe that the story was true. Now you could say that there's cultures where that's more acceptable. More to the point, I've just what there is a problem with the way that men are being socialised because we're largely raised by women. You go to school in primary school, even to their credit, some feminists say there's not enough male teachers, and I think that's especially true for boys who need good males to look up to. Otherwise, they take their cues from their peer group and you get gangs and things like that. There's a lack, there's a massive epidemic of fatherlessness. And so boys don't have any positive male role models. Now, all the traits which your teachers will not allow you in school, uh, you have to be deferent to these teachers. Now, anyone knows if you go out being deferent to girls, they don't, they're not going to fancy you. Girls do not like men that put themselves in subordinate positions. Now, I might be generalising. There might be some percentage of women that do. And, you know, John Gray, that guy who wrote the book Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, says that at his workshop, you get maybe one in ten couples or two two in ten couples who are gender-reversed, where they actually play out the opposite roles that it says in men. So he even acknowledges that, of course, we're talking in general terms. Fundamentally, I think the fact that men don't feel confident to go out and learn their social skills and... and So am I looking at it from an angle Because I mentioned the the, the culture thing and the the offence that it was causing to feminists. So are these things actually an offence to men then? Are they they really... is Is it going to be damaging... Uh, to men in the long run to have that disconnect it might be 
But they've still got the choice because, as I said, I'm not conservative. I'm not legislating my morality. Yeah. They've got a choice to have a pickup doll. What I want to know is because when I was at university, you know, you used to go around the student union, and you'd see these, uh, you know, the people who go to the Dungeons and Dragons club or whatever. Which, by the way, no disrespect to, great game, but you know, kind of geeky guys that just looked really depressed all the time. And I knew that they were, I'm pretty sure that they were all depressed because they, they couldn't get, get they, uh, they could get a girl, it uh, probably wasn't just sex, they probably wanted someone to love them. They, yeah. Like they probably wanted to feel, they probably never had a girlfriend and thought that if they met someone that loved them, they'd feel complete. But they can't talk about it either because that is just to admit that you fail as a man, isn't yeah. it? If you say, is, yeah. I have trouble I have trouble attracting a mate and that's making me really depressed. Then you're basically admitting that you fail as a man. So yeah. what I would like to say is what is the socialization that brought us to the point where a man would be willing to part with $12,000 for even. our pounds yeah. for a sex doll rather than learn the skills that they need in order to attract a nice partner who's going to treat them well and take care of all their needs, both emotional and sexual. But you're only, I mean, even if you get those skills, there's always that deficit. I mean, I don't really agree with this. I'm not. There's that figure that's bandied about. I mean, I know the 80 20 figure's bandied about quite a bit, so I'm sure it's not as clear cut as 80 20. But 80% of women pursuing the top 20% of men in whichever way they perceive that. Right. You know, the alpha in whatever way they perceive that. Whether it's the the fastest, the fittest, the toughest, the funniest, you know, the best looking, the richest, you know, but most guys are not in that top twenty percent. So regardless how good you are at you know social skills, you know you're you're maybe not going to be in that top twenty percent well, of, of men that women there, are pursuing. Isn't there a way of get? I mean, that's what I'm arguing. I think. Um, people can cultivate themselves into that 20%. And I don't know if it's only 20% because uh, because we live in such an emasculated society, whatever that means, where, where men aren't really raised with good role models and all your normal, you know, being a bit more boisterous, being a bit more transactional. Risk-taking. Uh, Risk-taking, wanting to run around. You're not allowed to do that when you're a kid. You have to be deferent to the, the, the women that bring you up. Is it still going to be a case of of 80-20 if men are, are just allowed to be men? And um, I'm highly dubious that it would be. At the end of the day, you know, that stuff's important a lot maybe when you're trying to attract a yeah. woman. But once a woman <coughs> once a woman's in love with you, unless you continuous unless you become a bastard or you continuously screw up and things like that then those those bonds do mean a lot to a lot of people mm. and uh, the, you, you become familiar with each other in a way that appears hard to replace yeah and um, and without all the state incentives for women to run out on relationships I mean sometimes women with children can be better off if they get a divorce yeah. uh, and they can be better off if they don't let the dad see the kids and things like that free of those government incentives for you know fatherlessness and the breakdown of the family it's really hard to say because we've never had a 
society and this wretch yeah and uh, with that kind of freedom yeah I mean I know that um, there is a general feeling of I mean I don't know if it's hit Britain so much yet but I know that there was I mean it was considered enough of a crisis in Japan right for a question to be raised in the Japanese parliament about the herbivores the grass eaters you know these young guys who were eschewing uh, definitely rejecting marriage rejecting long term relationships and and not even interacting with females on a on a on a on a friendship basis, um, and they 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 deemed it enough of a realistic crisis to raise the question because if there isn't marriages, if there isn't families, and they don't produce children, then it creates a crisis in a country that relies on pensions right. and tax collection revenue. You know, if there's nobody around to pay for the older generation, then it creates a crisis. You know, yes, so. So that, that, that was definitely a, a crisis in Japan. Is it happening here? I know, certainly, just speaking for myself, I've been, been, I've been married once, you know, I've been in a, a lot of relationships, with long-term relationships. I find them damaging to me as an individual uh, in, in the long term. And I just find relationships, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, just too damn hard. Right. So I think a lot of younger guys uh, are asking these days, look, what's in it for us? Right. You know, it's not 50s man anymore. 50s man, you've got his, his wife, her job was basically to look after him. That was her job. Look after him, look after the kids, look after the house. And he done his part, supposedly, for the most part, I think, which was to, to, to provide yeah. financial support and provide a roof over their head. And that was the deal. And you would right. get somebody who's going to look after you until you die. Now that's not the case anymore. So I think a lot of men are asking, look, what's in this for us? Is it really worth everything, you know, the threat of divorce, the threat of losing your house, the threat of losing your kids? Is it worth all that just to get yeah. sex? Uh, and I know there's, you know, God, I know there's a lot more to relationships besides, but it's a big part of it. it it's, yeah, it's certainly, and uh, de- uh, depending on your age group, yeah, uh, kind of bigger or smaller part. But I would say that, but still a big part. And men are expected to be so much more now because it's not enough to be caring and empathetic. You also are meant to be confident and alpha, and you're also, in most cases, going to be a provider. Um, you know, Warren Farrell, who's got a book coming out soon called The Boy Crisis, and maybe okay. maybe we'll be able to get him on the I show. I would love to get when, him on the show. When, when, yeah. when he publishes that book. You know, he made a very good observation, which is that traditionally men and women have chosen the opposite sex, the members of the opposite sex that's less likely to love them. So if you take a successful man, traditionally he might be an advocate, right? If he's if he succeeds by outcompeting other men or by beating the other lawyer, then he does that by not listening, by interrupting and by undercutting the other person's argument. And that's yeah. how he becomes successful. Yeah. Now, because he's successful, he can attract more women. Yeah. But if he uses those disciplines at yeah. home, he's not going to be a very good husband or father but that's the way his personality can be made. so all those traits yeah. that make him a good lawyer yeah. are what make him a lousy husband uh, and, and we can bring that back to the soldier yeah. as well you know if you've been taught not to pay attention to your feelings because you can't and you're, you're not to pay attention to other people's feelings yeah. and you've been hazed and you've been inflicted violence you know and then you come back with PTSD or whatever you're not going to be uh, very attentive 
On the other side, men will tend to pick the most beautiful women and the youngest women. And in those terms, a woman that's always been spoilt for choice, it's basically supplier and demand, yeah. it's sexual economics. She is less likely to have as much to offer in the ways of actually going out her way for her partner and uh, and providing more. Now I've met um, good-looking women with a good person with great personalities, but we're just talking in averages here. And a younger woman is going to be more more inexperienced. So what what we're saying is the way that. The way that a woman looks is going to affect the way that she's treated her whole life. And if people are always kissing up her ass just because she's good looking, she's less likely to be able to love a man. And yet, that's the that those are that's your first choice. Yeah. So I, I'm not saying that we should. I'm not. I'm not prescribing anything. I just thought it was a good observation. Yeah, they are very good observations. However, we, I think we're, we're getting into the territory now that is much bigger than, than the show itself. I think what we'll do is we're definitely going to have a, a show on gender issues. Okay. And any of the ladies out there who feel confident enough to talk about this subject, to talk about gender issues uh, and some of the things that we've touched on here, I think we'll have a show dedicated to that at some point in the near future. So let us know and we'll maybe have you on the show if you feel you can talk about that. Okay. Um, so... That's all for this week, folks. Thanks for listening again. Be and, libertarians. Uh, yeah, be libertarians. Don't, Don't be, be a lefty or a righty. Bye.